0: Listening to the Retro Guardian.
1: Okay, now what? Buckle up. Here, here. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. <laughs> Groovy. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Hasta la vista, baby.
0: Retro Guardians Special Edition.
1: Hi, this is Ben Schaefer from Retro Guardians. I'm currently in uh, Connecticut at the moment at Treficon 2022. And I'm sitting next to the legendary, great Jim Shooter, former editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics, as well as writer and artist for many, many years. And I just thought I'd have a few minutes with Jim we'll just talk a little bit about the late 70s, early 80s comics era and a few of the titles. So, Jim, is there anything you'd like to talk about? Well,
0: uh, I should say first that comics were dying in the mid-70s and late 70s. Uh, uh, it, it, it looked like the whole industry was just okay. going to go away because uh, Marvel was losing money and it's sort of in a death spiral. But we were actually the healthiest company. DC was in bad shape. And when I took over as editor-in-chief in 1978, Warren Publishing went out of business. Charlton Comics went out of business. Harvey stopped publishing. Archie went all reprint. And on one day in June... DC canceled 40% of their t- titles. So, uh, you know, the comic book industry was not doing well. Like I said, Marvel, we were sort of like the healthiest patient in the terminal world. Uh, but, but I got some really good people to work with, partially because the other companies went out of business. So uh, when Warren went down, Louise Simonson was available. That's like Christmas. Louise, know? yeah, Louise is yeah, great. Uh, because of DC imploding, uh, Larry Hama was the girl, and That's like winning a lot of it, you know. And so, so I got some really good people. Archie Goodwin. I've uh, heard nothing but good things about that man. Excellent, excellent people, and and uh, and, and, and brought in some new guys like Carl Potts, turned out to be great. Danny I can't grow up. Bob Budiansky, who turned out to be genius.
1: Transformers, I mean, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. That man's responsible for that, and Jim's responsible for that as well.
0: Yeah, and, and so we got all these good people. That was also when there were a few comic book shops out there and we uh, started, uh, we opened up trade terms and started doing business with them and that market started to boom. We made better books, so they had better things to sell, so they did well and then there were more stores and the more stores and the better they sold, the better Marvel did,
1: we turned it around. Everyone benefited.
0: Yes, the rising tide lifted all the boats and because we were succeeding, uh, well, DC's not going to let that stand. I mean, they, 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 uh, they started fighting back and they, they, they introduced better pay and better benefits just like, just like I did. And, uh, and they, they had, um, uh, they, they started publishing things like Watchmen, uh, The Dark Knight, uh, various uh, other, you know, uh, some really good stuff. So, and then all these little indie companies start up and some not so little, like Pacific Comics and First Comics. And the business was growing. And everybody was doing pretty well there that was for a time. while. Yes! So
1: uh, that was the 70s into the early 80s. I remember Jerry Conway saying he weren't sure that you'd make it into the 80s, the way it was going.
0: It was it was terrible. I mean, like Marvel, the, the man who saved Marvel Comics from just plain going out of business was Roy Thomas. Because Roy, uh, was he wasn't the editor-in-chief anymore. He was just a writer-editor. But uh, he got wind of this new movie that was coming out um, Star Wars, and he he really wanted us to license it and uh, Marvel to license it, and uh, got a lot of resistance. Uh, first of all, the, when the management upstairs when you're when you're losing money, money, it's not time to you know invest big amounts of money in, in getting a, the the publishing rights for, for Star Wars. Um, also, uh, it it just. A lot of people, even people like Lynn Marr, said, "Oh, that's not going to be any good. Science fiction doesn't sell." I didn't have a vote. I wasn't—I <laughs> wasn't the editor in chief then. I was just the editor. And but I, I remember when I heard that, I said, "Show me a good one." You know, it doesn't sell. Yeah, show me a good one that doesn't sell. And uh, so, anyway, Star Wars comes out, and we—we and we published the first two issues before the movie came out, and they were—they were propelled a little bit by the—the uh, the advertising. For Star Wars and then when our third issue came out that's when the movie came out and man all of a sudden we're selling millions and uh, so uh, and, and the Star Wars early Star Wars were reprinted in every format known to man and that that Star Wars alone kept Marvel alive through the end of 1977 and the entire year of 1978 in other words Roy bought me a year to try to turn it around and I, I, I we did <laughs> And, uh, and like I said, a lot of companies, as the direct market started grow, a lot of them started turning around. And then all these little publishers like ElfQuest and Cerebus and Distant Soil and Ninja Turtles, you know, they, they started to uh, uh, grow and prosper. And um, uh, uh, that, so, you know, we, I, I felt like, uh, like we had, you know, another shot at uh, uh, success. And life. Yeah, and life. And we uh, we we did it, and uh, I think right now the publishing is back in a worse shape than it was back then. But now they have the movies, and they're they're doing that. If they get their get themselves straightened up and flying right, maybe they can bring the publishing back too. Because the movies have made all the common book things sort of you know common household you know stuff. relevant. Yeah, Absolutely. they're relevant, relevant. and the people know about them and they're, they're not like some scary stuff or people don't think dismiss them as kid stuff.
1: Which I faced a lot. I worked in many environments carrying comics in where I knew I was going to get laughed at. Yeah. And they'd always say that. But um, one of the great things about the films being popular, I've been asked a lot by a lot of parents about, can you recommend stuff? And I tend to recommend the early 80s stuff because, as I said to you earlier, I do believe it was written for kids. And I think the guys back then really did it that way and it worked well.
0: Well, I mean, basically, they were just following in the, in the footsteps of Stan and, and Roy and people like that. Um, it wasn't deliberately being written for kids. Stan's theory was you make it, you write a story so that there's a, uh, maybe a little kid reads it, and he's, he thinks it's Spider-Man battling Dr. Octopus, and he's really happy with that. And an older reader reads it, and he, he reads into the emotions and, and the relationships and, and the subplots. And it's satisfying even for an older reader. He That's was trying to texture make it, texture. He, he, Stan's exact quote was: "He wanted to make comics that he would like to read, and, and uh, but he had to make them in a way that, that they were accessible to most anyone." And that was always a, my goal. And I don't know that any writers were trying to write down, but if, we, if you wrote it properly, you know, young people could understand it, and the, and the older people could still enjoy it.
1: Um. One of the things that still stands out about that time period with me, there were some very celebrated runs by a lot of writers. There were a lot of great artists, so I will not knock them, yep. but there's a few that stand out. Definitely Chris's run on the main X-Men book at the time. Yes. Many books spawned out because of you, including New Mutants. Yes. And then also people definitely like Roger Stern. I definitely put Roger up there as well. Definitely Walt on Thor and definitely Frank on Daredevil especially. Yes, and I can still pick them up and enjoy them as much now as when I first read them.
0: Yeah, we also had uh, in in those days he was named he was pronounced his name Mark Dematis and now he says Mark Demateus. So I, you know, he's gotten fancier. But but uh, we had him. And he did some some really nice stuff. Some nice epic comic stuff like uh, like Moonshadow, and uh, and and then he did I think. Craven's Last Hunt and, and some, he did oh, some JM here. yes JM yes yeah, I'm just thinking really now was. I know who you mean oh yeah, god Mark DeMattis JM DeMattis yeah. or DeMatteis as he says now I don't know but anyway um, uh, yeah he was I'd rank him up there among the, the I have the read some of his stuff talent. yes I have read and, some uh, of his stuff and I wouldn't even uh, like uh, Archie was maybe the best ever he just didn't do much so. Mary Joe Duffy turned out to be dangerous. <laughs> Anne Nesenti turned out to be dangerous. Oh, I'd
1: love to meet her. She yeah. told a story about you once. What you got a, for Christmas once? I laughed out loud.
0: Well, she she misremembers.
1: <laughs> I'm not repeating no, it here, no, folks. No. Well, I'll
0: repeat it. You know, she said I bought her something with uh, like a bondage gear or something. No, I bought her a pair of painters' overalls. However, the next year, I got her and Chris. These statuettes which I found in London—they were, they were pewter statuettes, oh, nice. beautiful. It cost me a bundle, but they were just too perfect. Because oh, I always gave the people Christmas presents, so they—they they, they were uh, essentially the Black Queen and the White Queen from the Hellfire Club. Club. I mean, essentially these little statuettes, and of course they're—they're they're dressed in. You know whatever bustier is and stuff yes um so that was pretty sexy but she has those she has conflated those two things <laughs> and that's 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 what i bought and i gave those to i gave the black queen or white queen to chris and the black queen to, to Anne, and they liked them i i would i would imagine chris still has it because it was a really beautiful thing it, it, i found it in this really exclusive little shop in london and uh like i said it was it was not some Piece of junk. It was. It was a really nice statue.
1: Well, I have to mention John Byrne since we're on that subject. You sure. have to mention John, doing both X Men and then later Fantastic Four.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, John. John was new then. I mean, he had been working for Charlton. Charlton's, you know, basically stopped publishing, and then they went out of business entirely. And so, uh, so we, um, you know, Chris had. Been writing Iron Fist. Iron Fist was what they call I, it, twice
1: I, quarterly, eight times a year. I had the whole series signed yeah. by him,
0: and and so uh, Pat Broderick was drawing it at that right about uh, 1977, I guess. And uh, Pat uh, somehow, I don't know what the circumstances were exactly. Or I don't remember, but there was an issue that was supposed to come in from Pat, and it just never showed up. Ooh, you know, that's a no-no. That's and, a no-no. And and, and so. Um, uh, I think, it, I think it, it got lost but not lost in the mail I think it just got lost and I think he did it uh, but, but at any rate it was going down to the wires last minute and, and, and Chris who was always proactive about finding artists he, uh, he had seen John's Charlton work Raj 2000 Charlton and so somehow he gets a hold of, uh, of uh, John and asked him if he'll do this issue of Iron Fist. And, of course, John's very fast, and he turned it around very quickly. He did a good job. And uh, so uh, Chris was able to convince whoever the editor was at the time. I believe it was probably Marv. Uh, but uh, he was able to convince him to keep letting him using John on uh, on Iron Fist. But it was, like I said, it was only... Uh, Twice quarterly, and it was not long for the world. It was it was obviously going to go away at some point. So, uh, so 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 John uh, came to New York and brought his sketchbook to show samples at Marvel. And uh, you know, Chris walked him in there. And so he was taking his sample book around, showing everybody. And a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people, I mean, Len and Mar both said it was too cartoony, and people. Uh, look rubbery and the eyes were too big and they looked Japanese and the necks were too long. I mean, he, he got some negative response. I looked at his sketchbook, I thought it was terrific. I mean, I could see that you know, there were drawing issues maybe here and there, but, but they were small and they, it was stuff that you know, wasn't he, he, he could easily overcome. And so so I I Went to Marv and I said, Look, you know, if you don't want to give this guy anything, I said, He's fast and he's reliable, and I think he's terrific. So, why don't we get him doing like fill ins? Because everything is late. And we had, if we had some, some fill ins by John, you know, we, we could catch up. And, uh, so Marv said he didn't want to but he finally caved in and he said alright but it's, it, you, you take care of it you know you, you get him the villains and, and uh, you give him the plots and stuff so I, I, I did I, or I started to and then uh, I, I don't know if I—he did one maybe I have no idea um, maybe not but, but quickly Chris needed an artist for team up I remember and, that and yeah since, that. since John was sort of technically on board and Chris wanted him um, uh, John ends up doing Team Up, and and P.S. I mean he was he's just getting better every 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 stroke of the pencil. He was he was getting better, and uh, and he wasn't bad. I'm telling you, he, that stuff was awesome. Those those nitpickers who didn't like it for whatever reason, they were wrong. And and so so anyway, so he's on Team Up and he's doing a great job. And then uh, when Dave Cockrum X Men went monthly, and Cockrum couldn't possibly do a monthly book. So John took over X-Men, and then, man, he really started to be noticed and
1: started getting some, some. Uh,
0: you know, he became a, a, a star, as he should have.
1: There's an incident I remember hearing from uh, Roger Stern and Denny O'Neill about they overlooked an issue on Spider-Man when Denny was taking over as a writer, and I think it was 206, and the reason they couldn't overlook it, it was a storyline dangling from Mom's run that J. Jonah Jameson was acting erratic, where he's not himself, and they had to explain it. But in Denny's run, he was back to normal. Right. So I remember, I remember, was it Mark Grunewald, that was who was assistant back then? And he realised as well, and it was all three of them, Denny, Roger, and Mark looked at each other and Mark just went pale and they realised they'd overlocked this issue. Yeah. So Roger with Denny quickly wrote out the plot over a weekend and they got John to do a fill-in quickly.
0: Yes, because he was fast. Yeah, and, and then Gene totally da- I think Gene
1: Day was the inker and they... FedEx to Canada. He was up there somewhere or something. Yeah, like that? I can't
0: remember exactly. He was in Canada, and he didn't uh, didn't like to travel. At least he didn't like to fly. So he, he only came down to the office maybe
1: maybe once. I think. The funny thing about that issue, I have it. I just could not find it to bring it here. Yeah. It's actually a good issue. I still like it.
0: Yeah, well, I think you know there, there have been a couple things like that. I mean, there was an issue of the Avengers, and they list me as a plotter. I don't remember plotting this book, but, but uh, I might have made some suggestions to whoever was plotting it. But I, I'm in the credits. I was the editor-chief. I'm in the credits for that, too. And this book got, got, got published, and it was under my watch, so it's my fault. But, but it had a, a couple things in it that it just baffled me when I really sat down and read it because uh, I usually read the books before they went out but I, I also, did hear about I was that. also traveling a lot oh, so okay. I'd be in the UK for a couple of weeks teaching the staff there or I'd be out in California working with a studio or I'd be, you know, I'd, I'd fly around here and there and do, do uh, a lot of traveling so sometimes I just wasn't there and someone else would sign the book out usually it was either Grunewald or DeFalco I, you know, Archie was the best but I wasn't a burden with that um, Anyway, so uh, uh, all right, whatever, it doesn't matter. Went out under my watch, but there's a scene in there that's sort of a rape scene, you know. Oh, I, I have yeah, heard of that. Yeah, yes, and and then the ending just just baffled me. It's like it's like the Avengers like suddenly go stupid and they give the bad guy a laboratory and everything he needs to build a weapon to defeat them. I thought I, that's not one of my plots. I'll tell you that, you know. And and just, it was kind of a dumb thing, and. Um, and so, uh, uh, Chris uh, was, I think, working with one of the well, I think it was Ms. Marvel. It was then, yeah. yes. And and so, he kind of retrofitted it, he kind of repaired it, and that didn't change anything. It just, yes. just explained it and, and made it less obnoxious. And uh, and so, you know, I, 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 that happened once in a while, where you had
1: to, you know, like, uh, kind of backfill a little bit. But when it works, it works, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. And yeah, it's I mean, awesome it, when someone also realizes, okay, that's not right. Oh, we need to fix that. Yeah. Yes,
0: and and the thing is, it, my 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 usual excuse is there are a lot of moving parts in a comic book company, you know, and and uh, it's 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 hard to get everything perfect. And sooner or later, something's going to slip by, or, or you, you know, you're not you're not uh, at your best that day. You know, even even good editors who work for me occasionally. I'd say, Anne, what what were you thinking? You know, and she says, Oh, yeah, well, I should have fixed that. You know, but um, but you know, that that it, it, we were publishing by the time I was out of there, we were publishing, I think, seventy-five color comics, and we had a number of magazines. I don't know how many, but it was maybe six or eight including Epic Illustrated, and in addition to those 75, we were publishing a lot of epic comics. I do remember great, that. Creator owned Yes. Um, I couldn't change work for hire. They wouldn't let me, but I could start an imprint that was Creator Run. So I did, and I got the best person in the world to run it, Archie Goodwin, and uh, Archie was not, he didn't yeah. want to deal with the bureaucrats and the bean
1: counters and the lawyers and, yeah licensed people yeah. I know a lot of people like that who don't I like mean, to be smartest
0: man or you could do anything you want but he, but just he, just, he just
1: hated it yeah, and, I didn't know a lot of people like that
0: and, and so I was doing it for the regular comics anyway I was dealing with those people every day anyway so I, my deal with Archie the re- I think part of the reason he came back was because uh, he had been a contract writer I said I'll pave the road I'll do all that crap you know and all you do is a creative you know and uh, we'll, we'll talk about you know budgets and personnel and stuff like that and then I'll I'll
1: go fight with him you know you make the book and and he did Ball. It was genius. well I have to stop you right there Jim because we've got a lot of noise about to change things so I don't think we'll be able to hear each other very shortly yeah, really but thank you so much for your time mate I do appreciate it
0: yeah, anytime anytime
1: so this is Ben from retro guardian signing out and I hope you've enjoyed the session have a good one
0: Retro Guardian Special Edition.